0: Taylor Troll, hanging out in the Red Sea Radio studios today. It is a beautiful 55-degree day here in Central Texas. Spent my weekend in Florida, which also had some pretty beautiful weather, if I do say so myself. I am joined, not in-studio because he's lazy, but from very, very far away... Ouch. The one and only everyone's second favorite priest, Father Jared Cook. You made it.
1: What's up, Tay Tay? Did you miss me?
0: I almost did. I almost had a moment where I missed you.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You almost had a moment. By the way, um, if I'm the second favorite, who does that make the favorite? What do you think? I forget his name. I try not to remember it, so you are such a liar right now. <laughs> You know how I know you're lying?
0: How? We talked about this an hour and a half ago. Oh, did we now? I've already forgotten his name. All I know is he's on Twitter. He is on Twitter. Um, yeah, so we got into some some Twitter and Instagram stuff this weekend while I was, I was at NCCYM, something standing for something like the National Conference for Catholic Youth Ministers or some combination of those letters. So uh, it was nice. a great experience. I'm going to share a little bit about that. But since you brought it up, we're going to start – with a woman that I met, who um, as as we were getting to know each other a little bit, she mentioned she started talking about this priest that she knew in Texas that she was going to try to come and bring in to do a movie because they had just made a movie for young women about you know growing growing as a woman of God and purity and growing in holiness and finding a man. I don't know what I don't know what it was all about. We're going to interview her at some point, but um, she started telling me a story about this priest who's going to come up from Texas and help with the male version of that. And she's like, oh yeah, I found out about him because he was on this show, this radio show, where it was like these two priests from, one was from Instagram, one was from Twitter, and they were like pitted against each other. And I was like, I've heard that. I was there when that happened. That's my show. No way. (laughs) Yes. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. Oh,
2: God bless
0: her. (laughs) It was really funny. So we talked about you, and she apparently doesn't know you very well because she she just had so many great things to say about you. (laughs) You're a dy- dynamic, dynamic speaker, and you, you're just a fantastic <laughs> priest. And I, I was like, yeah, you're you're right. But just second though, he's just second. Oh my
1: gosh, <laughs> <laughs> that's so harsh. So it's like a dagger to my heart every time.
0: We decided this the other day about Twitter yeah. and Instagram, and I think you might like this, and it'll be fodder for for your uh, gun, I guess. I don't know fodder sure. for. Your... So I'm I'm very good at this show on like mixing. Analogies terribly, mixing sayings uh-huh. terribly. Uh huh. Fodder for your gun. <laughs> I, 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 sure. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! A bird so in the hand point? is worth two gallons of yogurt. Okay.
1: Oh, there <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, uh, what's your point?
0: Uh, about what? What are we doing? Are we on a radio <laughs> show? <laughs> I think we still are. Uh, oh, oh my. So, I came up with this thing that. I'm doing better on on Twitter than than Instagram, I think, and I found this out. Twitter is all about being witty and saying cool things. Uh, mm-hmm. Instagram's about looking good. That's why oh. on Twitter, like myself and Father Anthony, like we're very quippy. That's his name. Yeah, <laughs> <Shut up>. <laughs> <laughs> that's right,
1: Anthony. Okay,
2: <laughs>
0: so uh, so. And then you you just look pretty like that's that's your thing that's
1: I, oh like, stop it
0: you know you, you try to share some things of substance and people are just like oh, I'm gonna like it because it's a priest that has a you know a hipster hairdo uh, oh so. my gosh
1: <laughs> brother I always turn it back to Jesus Christ he is the one who matters keep telling yourself that. <laughs> I, I mean, it's fun bringing people through a day in the life of a priest. It, it is, I, know, it's, I, I I enjoy it. I love it. And
0: you're doing a good job. All this comes out of bitterness from me that I can say <laughs> and do good things, but because you two are priests, you get a thousand likes. Like it, it's, it's just jealousy on my part.
1: The truth will set you free, Taylor.
0: <laughs> and it has. So, <laughs> oh, uh, my lord. Uh, so this weekend was great, man. Uh, I met so yeah. many, so many great people. Uh, former guests that I finally met in in person. And this has been happening a lot lately and it's always really cool. Like, uh, we were, I was walking up these, these stairs. Okay. Let's be real. I was on an escalator and just standing uh-huh. there still. <laughs> and, uh, Chris Mueller, who was just on the show a few weeks ago, uh, nice. from everydaycatholic.com, He walks up and he goes, Taylor. And I go, Oh, Chris, like, you know, like we had never met each other. Um, that's awesome. But I got to see some, uh, some, uh, I got to meet the guys from sacrilegious. Like I am an affiliate with them and I've never met them. So, they had that a booth. Awesome. Got to meet those guys. And I saw a bunch of people who were former guests on the show, like Kyle Hyman was on. Everett Fritz was there, who, by the way, is on one of the top podcasts as a guest. And you just got knocked off. You're number like 12 now. So Everett what? Fritz is better than
1: you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, snap. Okay, challenge accepted. <laughs> challenge accepted. Uh, All right.
0: <laughs> next week, Everett Fritz might be co host instead of you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, My gosh.
1: Dude, it's amazing when you talk like, the podcasting world and like Catholic social media and stuff. It's amazing how small the Catholic world is.
0: Speak for yourself. You're a very no, small I'm, man. You're what are you, oh, like five two? <laughs> I
1: sort of set myself up for that, didn't you I? You
0: definitely did. What uh, a jerk. Okay, speaking of uh, you're a very small priest. I met a very large priest this weekend. The bishop in Tampa Bay came and celebrated Mass. And I kept having this thought, like why is that altar so short? Like I've been in here all weekend. I never noticed that the altar is so short. And then he walked over and did the the uh the gospel reading. I'm like, "Why is that ambo so short?" Like, what is this? An an altar for ants, you know? And and then, <laughs> he, then he starts doing his homily and he's like a, like maybe like 3 minutes in, he makes this point to uh, I forget what the point was. It's a homily. But um Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm kidding. He was talking about something that I don't remember. So oh God, that's uh good. he was six eight. The man's six eight. <laughs> Very large. I feel like the nuncio who like you know, the, the nuncio up in up in the capital, um, yes. uh, looks around the nation and says, Pope, here are the people that I think should be bishops. And I think uh, he was just terrified that this guy would beat him up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. He was he was a he, awesome. he was a really sweet man. Like the definition of gentle giant, just more giant than most gentle giants. Like tremendous homilist tremendous homilist? Tremendous homilist. Uh, tremendous tremendous, yes. tremendous yes. homilist. So there you go. Um, yeah, I got to meet a, a bunch of great people. Like uh a future guest, Christopher Wesley, Mary Bielski got to got to pray I with see. her. Um I saw Katie Prejean McGrady and her husband Tommy they're from the Electric Waffle podcast oh, and yeah. I've looked up to Katie for so long that of course I just walked by her and I said something awkward like that's how I deal with these situations <laughs> So <laughs> we're in we're in a restaurant and her and Tommy and some person that I don't know they're probably going to listen to this and be like I'm very fancy I'm like I'm sorry I didn't <laughs> know who you were um but uh look at me presuming people listen to the show. Uh so right. I walked by them in a restaurant and they're talking so I didn't want to like go up and introduce myself at that moment cuz the the three of them were engaged in conversation. So instead I just walked by and said the Electric Waffle podcast is subpar, you know. <laughs> so, to their like, face? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like it's okay. Oh, yeah, okay it's okay. Sure. Okay. So they kind of <laughs> laugh and wave and that like in that awkwardness I was like dang it. Like I've never met her. I've looked up to her for so long and I messed it up. And her and all of her graciousness walked up to me like two or three days later and came and shook my hands like, "Hey, it's actually nice to meet you." I'm like, "That's surprising, thanks." You know, like, <laughs> was, "Oh my gosh!" You're yeah. just
1: like socially awkward and rude. <laughs>
0: Hashtag Forte Catholic.
1: Hashtag Forte Catholic. <laughs> God bless her, though, for having the uh, the humility and the grace.
0: Absolutely. She's a much better person than me.
1: Well, That's that, awesome.
0: Then again, she's another person. So that would...
1: This, praise be Jesus Christ. True <laughs> God
0: and true man. Um, uh, amen. So uh, did this just become liturgy? Do I have to start being serious? Okay. Through him and with <laughs> him. and Yeah, let's talk. Uh, will you chant that? I feel like... Uh, You chant a lot because you have you have this uh, Zach Efron voice that we heard about this weekend. What did you hear this weekend? So you were on this retreat with your young people. I was going to ask you about your weekend, but I'll just tell you because you post literally everything on Instagram. So uh, (laughs) Uh, follow me. You were with your, uh, hey, it's Father Cook. Uh, So (laughs) you were on retreat with your youth this weekend and it was the greatest showman themed and you, for some reason, they thought you would be able to play the Zac Efron part.
1: I want to tell me a little bit about this. (laughs) Well, first of all, I'm sure it was a height thing because Hugh Jackman is definitely taller than Zac Efron. (laughs) And uh, the youth youth director was the the Hugh Jackman character. He was the ringmaster. He was, what is it, Barnum? Uh, And he, um, uh, so we had this incredible, first of all, this youth group that I'm with, they go big or they go home. Like they had lights, like strobe. I mean, they turned this retreat center into like, a circus tent. It was incredible, but <laughs> i was about to say, if you ain't...
0: didn't make that connection, it's like if you said anything but circus tent <laughs> after talking about greatest showman. I was going to jump through this iPad and slap it. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. If you go to my Instagram, shameless plug, you can see pictures of it. It's really, uh, it was really awesome. But we had this, this great, incredible opening, like act, like grand entrance um, to this is the greatest show, and uh, of course. <laughs> uh, Logan comes in the youth director and he's just like, he's selling it. He's knocking it out of the park. He's doing the dance. All the other, uh, the other core team members are dressed up as like strong man, the albino woman, the, all the, the, all these different, the bearded lady, all these different characters. And of course at the part of the song that, uh, that Zac Efron runs out and, uh, he gets handed off the hat and the, the cane. Uh, I definitely, uh, I definitely, uh, definitely jotted out of the curtains and, uh, Sold it myself. It was fun, man. Y'all didn't do that scene
0: where, where you're dancing like on a string with Zendaya, did you? That would be weird <laughs> as a
1: priest. I uh, I definitely did not rewrite the stars. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good joke. You oh, like that? You that know, like was that?
0: really
3: good. Oh, man. man. Anyway, right.
1: it was a fantastic retreat. But yeah, yeah. it was the kids. Uh, the Holy Spirit was uh, he was he was doing some incredible stuff. So.
0: Okay, so you're a priest that can be Zach Ephron in a subpar level, but what about your homily? Did you give the homily for the Mass
1: this weekend? <laughs> I gave two homilies this weekend. I gave a Immaculate Conception homily and I gave a Second Sunday of Advent homily. Yes, I did. Which one are you talking about?
0: Uh, the second one, which was funny, though. It's funny being Catholic uh, because of vigil Masses. Like, I went yeah. to, like, I was supposed to go to Mass Saturday and Sunday, but I went Friday and Saturday. It's all, like, very strange. It's like, today is, like, being on in mass on a saturday and they're like today is the second sunday of advent i'm like just I- incorrect but i'll play pretend with you,
3: <laughs> you today is mad. actually
0: saturday it's the feast of something that i forgot about and it is not sunday you are incorrect mr Lecter. Uh, but <laughs> if the bishop said it he's six eight and, and that's scary so his his homily was really good how do you think your homily for sunday went
1: First of all, you keep talking about this bishop, and I, I'm, I keep thinking like I probably don't even clear his shoulders if he's like six eight. Not at all, Zach. That is so, That is so sad. Um, so the homily, of course, uh, of course, I began my homily the way that I begin all my homilies. Um, I thank them for making Jesus a priority in their day, and I really encourage them uh, uh, that you know you have a second chance with this second week of Advent. If you found yourself lacking and slacking in this first week of Advent, it's time to adjust. Let's, let's hit up this second week. Uh, let's, let's make a goal. And so I, I, I invited everyone to make a goal for this week. Just one goal. Just pick one goal. Make it attainable. Uh, make it realistic. And, uh, and, uh, and then I dived into this whole idea of ever since the beginning, um, if you look all throughout Scripture, God is constantly trying to get the attention of his people. Um, he's constantly flashing things at us, whether it, uh, whether it's the flood to the prophets, to Kings, to signs, to miracles, to John the Baptist himself, which is what the gospel was all about, um, and how he was there to prepare the way for the Lord. Um, and so just really dove into that. Um, and, uh, I think the people got a lot out of it. Um, it was, uh, it was good.
0: I feel like you're the confident kind of guy though, that like every time you speak, you're like, I think a lot of people got something out of that.
1: Are you saying that my ego's big,
0: uh, bigger than your stature?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're a jerk. I got some great feedback from people. Uh, I, I, I was giving you the, the, the nutshell. I, I definitely, uh, I got a little fiery towards the end. Uh, I really brought it back to confession. Um, and, uh, and that's what uh, he's calling us to do is to repent so that we can make way for the Lord. If we're so bogged down with all the sin in our life, how in the world do we have that freedom and that space and that openness to, to invite the Lord in, to wait for him? And so I think, that, uh, I think that kind of drove the point home for a lot of people. So I, I did get a lot of feedback. So uh, that's why I can sit here and claim that I think it was a, uh, it was a decent homily.
0: Good. I'm very glad that you got the feedback, and and you sh- and you should. We we've noted before that you are you are a good homilist. We can't take that away with uh, away from you. We wish we could sometimes, but you're very good at it, which is why we've invited you here to uh, you share uh, you know semi homilies here on the on the air. So uh, I like how you were like I got really fiery and it was good, and you said it at a monotone voice. <laughs>
1: I, uh, I got really fiery and it was very good. Okay,
0: so here's the one thing that, that stuck out to me. This is what my homily would have been about. Did you, I know you said you kind of glossed over what, what you did, and, and thank you because your homily was probably 20 minutes and, and this segment's uh, almost over. So, Ouch. <laughs> um, did you talk about the, like, the winding roads being made straight, the rough ways being smooth, the mountains being laid low, the valleys being, being flattened out? Did you talk about that part?
1: I did not, but what would you have said? This was
0: interesting because it kind of connects to your last point. And this is why I thought my homily would be better than yours. So, um Oh, nice. It was like John's going to prepare the way of the Lord in the desert. And this says this in Isaiah. And it talks about that in the desert was where like the people of like the Israelites and the people of the time thought that the desert was where lawlessness lawlessness ruled. The demons were believed to reign out there. And he comes, um, In the desert, proclaiming the way of the Lord, saying, make straight the paths and and the mountains will be made low and like everything's going to be smooth when he comes. But I just thought it was really interesting that here we talked last week about God coming in the midst of our chaos, like he did that whenever he became Human in the incarnation, which we celebrate here in a couple of weeks and what we are preparing for, that he came in the midst of the lawlessness. He came in the midst of like the parts of our lives where we think that demons might reign, like the parts that you were talking about of like the places where we have sin, the places that we have not fully given over to God and how like. Like, in my life, personally, I have roads to God that are supposed to be straight that are definitely very curved, you know? And I, I've put up these barriers in my life that are the mountains. I have these holes, these hurts in my life that are these valleys, and God wants to come and, and make us whole. He wants to make yeah. us new. Um, so that's where I'm focused here, this Advent. Uh, whose homily was better, mine, yours, or the six-foot-eight six, and the, six foot eight bishop? <laughs>
1: Huh. Well, you couldn't remember a thing that the uh, six foot eight bishop said, so I'm going to go with me.
0: Well, he definitely won. I got second and you <laughs> got third. So uh, Fair whenever, enough. whenever we come back, we're going to be talking about a little bit of controversy. We've got Layla Miller on to talk about her book on how to face today's tough moral issues. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. This is your host, Taylor Schroll. I'm on the phone with everybody's second favorite priest, Father Jared Cook. Ah,
2: what's up, people?
0: And our new friend, Layla Miller, who is an author of a new book we're excited to talk about today called Made This Way, How to Prepare Kids to to Face Today's Tough Moral Issues. Layla, we've never met before. It's a pleasure to have you on the air. How are you doing today, ma'am?
4: I'm good, Taylor. How are
0: you doing? I am doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. Uh, so I've had Trent Horn on the show before, gotten to talk to him, but um, I've never gotten to talk to you, and I, I saw this book come across my email, and I was like, okay, controversial topics. And even Carrie Beck uh, from Catholic Answers, who does all the booking, was like, hey, Taylor, I know your show's all about being fun. Not sure if the controversy's for you. I'm like, oh, no, we're totally doing this because – In this book, you tackle a lot of these tough issues. So, before we get into some of those tough issues, I just kind of want to hear the story about what brought you to write this book about all these uh, controversial topics and how to deal with them with your children.
4: So, yeah, I've been a parent for uh, 27 years. So, my oldest is 27 and my youngest is 8. And over the course of those years, the culture has changed quite a bit. And uh, I, I reverted about 24 years ago, started to teach the Catholic faith. And uh, over the time that I had a blog and then a social media presence, I had a lot of parents come to me pretty terrified about how to raise children in this culture. And it got more intense as the topics and the uh, cultural issues became a little more strange Um, going from, you know, previously it was just maybe, uh, you know, sex outside of marriage or pornography, and then it kind of went into gay marriage, and now we're into the transgender issues, and so things have really changed. So we had a lot of terrified parents, terrified moms and such, asking how can I teach my children how to stay Catholic or moral, you know, virtuous in this culture. And so out of that... um, Came the book. I had known Trent for many years before we got together on this book, and he had the same idea, that he just, as a great apologist, you know, he needed to and wanted to teach parents how to talk to their kids about it. So we combined my experience as a parent for all these years with his expertise in research and apologetics and uh, came together and dovetailed quite nicely on this project.
0: And it seemed to work because y'all got the uh, endorsement from Cardinal Sarah. Not only for this book, you got it for your previous book. First of all, congratulations on that.
4: Oh, thank you. That was, <laughs> yeah, I almost, I almost fainted. <laughs> that was uh, um, probably the highlight of my life so far.
0: I love him. <laughs> uh, don't tell your husband that that was the highlight of your yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay,
4: he won't be watching. He won't be listening to this. Yeah,
0: so. <laughs> good. Yeah, we hope he doesn't.
4: So I'll tell. I
0: will, I will tell him about this interview. <laughs> so um, Cardinal Sarah might faint if he ever listens to the show because he's all about silence yeah. and I'm all about being loud. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> he's
3: the, he's
4: the silence guy. Yes, he is. Yeah, he reminds us all that we need to stop talking occasionally and uh and just sit in in silence with god and and we need to hear that in this culture because you know it's non-stop information and noise and noise and noise so yeah he's great
0: well that brings us to the end of our interview we're going to uh, just go for the rest of the 14 minutes of the interview with complete silence to honor cardinal sarah
4: (laughs) (laughs) sounds good
0: so, in this book called Made This Way How to Prepare Kids to Face Tough Moral, today's Tough Moral Issues, um, you tackle a lot of these hot button issues that you have already mentioned. So, um, in the first chapter, though, you talk about the entire point of this book. Why don't you share a bit about that?
4: Right. So, n- nothing matters really except getting our kids to heaven. And I kind of think a lot of people, uh, even Catholics, even good Catholics, have perhaps forgotten that moral formation uh, formation of the faith is the number one priority because without that, you know, there is no success as a parent. Um, you could have your kid be a great success in business and, uh, education, you know, going through getting all sorts of masters and PhDs and, and, uh, you know, even, even someone, you could have a child who's great, greatly happy. You know, I just feel happy. I'm happy with what I'm doing. But if that child doesn't make it to heaven, um, that is the worst thing in the world. <laughs> so we talk about in the book. What is the worst thing in the world? Well, not getting to heaven is the worst thing in the world. So we want to stave that off and, and uh help our kids, especially in this crazy, crazy culture, try to find sure footing and, and uh and stay on stay on the narrow path.
0: Yeah, great. And the second thing that you the second chapter that you go into is understanding of the natural law, which is interesting because we hear a lot about that. Um, like I've heard a lot about that, like as an adult, like using the natural law, not solely theological arguments, when talking to people about some of these controversial subjects like abortion, modesty, homosexuality, that sort of thing. Um, how do you address uh, natural law with children?
4: So yeah, and this is something that I always taught my kids this way, and I never realized it had a name. I've always just kind of, um, I've needed to m- have things make sense just in my own life, and that's why I came back to the Catholic Church, because it actually, I thought my way back in. I thought, oh my gosh, this is the only thing that makes sense. Mm. And so I always taught my kids that way uh, as far as the moral law and just moral formation and virtue and, and, and things like that, like how are you going to act, you know, why why do we do these certain things. And, um, and so that really is the basis of natural law. I didn't know it had a name until you know, I was in my 40s, actually. Uh, but it it basically asks the question, What is the nature of a thing and and what is this thing, and how are we supposed to use it, or what is it for and so not only can that apply to the things we teach our kids you know when they're little, which again, this could pave the way for that you know um you know you could say, you know, gosh, what happens if we were to put uh molasses in in the in the car gas you know in the gas tank what would happen <laughs> and a kid could laugh and say, Well, their car won 't run' they understand you know, you can use, you use something according to its design or to its nature or things don't go very well. And if you use something according to its nature, things go well. And that applies to human nature as well. Who are we as people? How did God design us to be? How did he design our bodies? How did he design, in, in this case of this book, how did he design human sexuality? Um, and how ought we to act in order to flourish rather than to, you know, uh, go into a tailspin and, and destroy ourselves. So, uh, so that's kind of what we do. Just make, how does something, how, what is the, the nature of, of a human person, how we're made, and, and then make it make sense to a child. You know, to little children you'd speak differently than to big children or teenagers, but they can see if something makes sense or not, and they're more likely to stay with something if it makes sense to them.
0: I love whenever I ask a question, and I get a great answer, but it's answered in a way completely differently than I would have ever thought. Like, I did not oh. ever see molasses being brought into a conversation about natural law. Like, I, I have to yeah. give you props for that.
2: Yeah,
4: <laughs> great example. Yeah, thrown in that, you know, the design of something, right? The nature of something in the car, and yeah. And it's a great way for little kids, because they're not necessarily—again, this is huge in the book, because the church teaches we aren't to disturb the latency period or those age that age of innocence of our smaller children. We aren't supposed to talk to them explicitly about details of sex. So, you know, how do you lay that foundation? Well, you can show them the world around them and the way that human beings make things. Um, We, you know, we use things according to the design that a human, like a human being makes a comb or a toaster or we use things the way they're designed, but that God created things too. And so we can, you know, that lays the foundation for them understanding that God also had an idea and a, and a way that we are supposed to use his creation, including our, our very selves. So it, you know, it's kind of building on that idea. And, and they get it. You know, They really do.
0: So I, I've been working in youth ministry circles for a long time, and you have already kind of mentioned going into your next chapter about talking to, to young people, to your kids, about sex outside of marriage, which, uh, for, especially for teenagers, it starts to become – a big question and a big issue. Uh, so one thing we've always struggled with is like, okay, when do you talk about it? Like you said, you don't want to destroy their age, their age of innocence. So how do you talk to like t- your teenagers, uh, versus like your little kids about sex outside of marriage? Right. So
4: for a little kid, uh, the teaching would be more indirect so uh, and the church speaks about this too there's this great document called the truth and meaning of human sexuality and it kind of helps parents teach their kids on these issues and you can just look it up you can google it i came out in 95 um but so for little kids since you wouldn't want to say you know here's what sex is and how it's done and all that you would just they would see hopefully by looking around them looking at at, at your own marriage their parents uh, being married and then maybe mommy has a baby in her tummy and he, the child will see that, oh, you know, babies are... um are meant to be with a mommy and a daddy. Isn't this beautiful? God has designed it so that every baby has a mommy and a daddy and gets to be raised in a, in a safe place and, and always have a home. And so that type of thing can kind of be the understanding that babies come within a marriage. And, of course, sometimes a little kid will see that that's, that doesn't happen and that maybe someone is expecting a baby that doesn't have, uh, you know, a husband, and so then you would have to... um, just be very careful in what you say, but just say uh, something like, um, well, you know, it, 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 you know, what God wants of us is to, you know, it takes, it takes a, a man or a woman to make a baby, and what God wants is that that, that mommy and daddy would be married because that's what's best for the baby. Um, and that's when we promise to love each other forever and to be married forever. and And some people sometimes... Don't know God's rules or they don't follow God's rules. And so even though we love them, we, we will pray for them that they would, that they would understand and want to follow God's rules it, for, for the best for all of them, for them and for the babies also. And so they can, uh, kind of understand that little, little kids trust their parents. So, you know, I know a lot of parents get really afraid of wanting to moralize or talk about these truths, but that's what we're supposed to do. And, and we need to have confidence in that.
0: Father Jared, how do you talk to your kids? about, I'm just kidding. Never mind. That's a bad joke. That's a bad joke.
2: <laughs> that's terrible, Taylor.
0: It is terrible. It is terrible. Uh,
4: speaking, well, of, he has spiritual children now, doesn't he? So I there you go. Sure do. Love him to death. So, uh, so yeah, it's 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 tricky, you know. And then and then when they get older, of course, it's you can get more. Um, explicit, and once they're past puberty you can get more explicit with the teens about why, you know, the the language of the body and how the action of sex has lifelong consequences we know this just from the design of what sex produces, which is a child, Um, it also produces a very intense bonding, and all these things kind of speak to the idea that it has lifelong consequences and that means it's to be taken quite seriously and then you know we get into discussion of why marriage is important because of that so uh so there's different ways to talk about young you know this idea to, with young kids versus with the older kids
0: And it's another uh, because of my youth ministry background, uh, modesty is one of the ones in your book that stuck out to me as well, because it used to seemingly be an easy topic, like just cover everything. But then like in the last, like, I don't know, five, six years or so, it's almost like almost anything we say about modesty, like here's what guys should wear, here's what girls should wear. Somebody's angry with us, so i'm I'm really interested to hear um like modesty for teenagers, modesty for people, young adults uh what's your take on on how we should be modest uh in this semi seemingly now very controversial topic?
4: Yeah, I feel really bad for for boys out there, honestly, I have to say um and this was the toughest, believe it or not it the toughest section for Trent and I to write. We both agree that it was the toughest because. It, it's such a sensitive issue. Everybody gets so offended by the idea of modesty. I think it's because we're so, um, we have this uh, kind of, you know, um, a feminist mindset that has taken over even a lot of Catholics, and this idea that, you know, um, women have been so oppressed, and, you know, don't don't keep oppressing us by telling us what to wear, or, you you know, you need to, it's like, wait a second, wait a second. Modesty is a virtue, You can't just go around jettisoning jettisoning Christian virtues because it's not compatible with the spirit of the age. You know, gosh, uh, we can't get rid of other virtues just because we think they're offensive to us and our sensibilities today. So we have to say, okay, modesty is still a virtue. It's always going to be a virtue. Um, It facilitates the virtue of chastity, so we can't just throw it out. So we have to say, well, what is it? What does it mean? And it doesn't mean, oh, you know, we're so ashamed of our bodies, especially as women, and we have to hide them and... No, it's about propriety or it's about keeping things private that should be private and keeping things sacred that should be sacred. And that, you know, we veil or we cover things that are, are set apart or that are, um, that are sacred. The idea that, uh, you know, men and women now are supposed to be the same or girls and boys, there's no real difference, that also bespeaks kind of an inability to understand that there is a different nature to men than to women. I mean, God created male and female. These are different natures. Men have a different response visually to, um, you know, to, to, to stimuli. I mean, sexually, they're, they're more visual. And women need to understand that, just as men need to understand women's sensitivities on, on their things. So we're supposed to help each other as Christians. And so what I think might appeal to those people who are really against the talk of modesty is that we talk about why not help a brother out? I mean, you know, we're, we're supposed to be... And it's not all about clothes either. I mean it's about speech, you know, we talk about modesty of speech, modesty of action, but modesty of clothing is especially serious in this culture because you know, everybody's just half naked. <laughs> but right. uh but you know why not? Why mm-hmm. would you want to tempt or or be and not even that you're trying to tempt, but again, understand the nature of a, of a boy, it's harder for him visually um you know, not to uh you know, fall into these temptations. So why would we why would we f- like kind of flaunt that or say, I dare you, I dare you to, you know, not to lust. Or That's not a Christian response to our brothers in Christ. And so that is something we, we have to really think about and maybe be, be a little more humble, which is another virtue we need to look at.
2: Layla, I'm, uh, I'm really appreciating these truth bombs you're dropping out here. Uh, mm-hmm. Question for you, though, uh, and to me this is kind of an elephant in the room, and it's something I'm curious uh, as to what your take is. Um, something wrapped up around all of these issues, especially when it comes to sexuality and those sorts of things, there's this real problem, um, with shame, you know, shame that comes along with it, whether it be from peer pressure, whether it be from, you know, uh, young people trying to figure out their own, um, sexuality, if you will, how do you approach maybe with your kids, but also, uh, how would you recommend other uh, adults, uh, parents uh, approach their kids when it comes to that whole issue of shame and feeling bad about themselves, and and maybe even if if uh, something comes up um, that you are sort of in that, that disciplinary role at that moment. Um, how do you approach a child who might be feeling very shameful about themselves and their sexuality?
4: Right. Well, I would always, and we do this from a young age. We never speak of sex or sexuality as something, you know, dirty or uh, shameful. So we're very open. I mean, again, this is just the Millers. We're very open about, um, you know, the goodness of of marriage, of sex within marriage, and that the whole point of why we keep it so special is because it is so good. And so, um, you know, you would never want to uh, shame someone for being curious, for questioning, and even if someone is sinning, again, you don't want to browbeat someone about that. You want to say um you know, I, I for example, I, I give this example, there's uh my my oldest son is is a lot older now. He's um he's in medical school, but when he was about 12, I caught him looking at the cover of uh it was on Amazon, there was like a black and white art book or something and there was kind of just this silhouette of a of a naked lady from the back, sort of. And so he I walked in and he was kind of clicking on that, you know, just saying it wasn't anything too bad, but it was you could tell he was very interested in her form and and uh (laughs) you know, someone might have been like, Oh yeah, what are you you know and I I I to be honest, I mean, I just said, Oh, you know, honey Let's talk about that. That's probably not a good thing for you to click through because that's going to get your curiosity going, and you don't want to have that, you know. And I, I explain about the dangers of just pornography and things like that. But he, he tells, he, he told me later, um, that he was really grateful because I didn't shame him and I didn't make him feel terrible. I, and I kind of, I kind of laughed about it. I mean, in a way, it's kind of yeah. natural and normal for him to look at the female form and and like it. I mean, that's kind of how God designed him, <laughs> and that's right. okay. But we need to put, um, put the context there. And so I did that for him and he was relieved. It wasn't a shaming moment. So we can't, you know, we have to be really careful about that. You do not want to shame because that will taint their whole idea of sexuality and sex and themselves and their responses to things. And we don't want to do that. We're not, you know, we're Catholic. We, we are, we like sex. You know, it's a good thing. It's something that God created that's very, very good. So we, we watch ourselves there. I appreciate
1: that.
0: Yeah, I do too. Layla, that brings us to the end of our time. I really appreciate you coming on. I hope that everybody listening uh, got something out of this. I hope that everyone listens except for your son's classmates in medical school for his sake. Uh, (laughs) uh, Hey, how can people find the book,
3: Layla?
4: Sure. They can go to made this way Um, it's also the Catholic answer shop. You can get it there. And, um, a lot of people are buying them in bulk. You get it as low as $5 a book if you buy it in bulk. So enjoy.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much guys. We will be right back for our final segment of the day. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. This is still your host, Taylor Schroll. No, I did not leave Father Jared alone with my show. Because I like that people listen. I very much like that people listen. Father Jared Cook! What's
1: you, up, man? You
0: you're still there, man? You don't you
1: still haven't left me after all of this, huh? I'm still here plotting how I can take this show over and make it better. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you might be able to take it over, but you will never, ever make it better. (laughs) Oh, sounds like a good vote. We should take a vote
0: on that. No, you have like 9 billion social media followers. You'd totally win. And you'd put it (laughs) on your page. So everybody's like, I don't even know who Taylor is. I'm going to vote for the pretty priest.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Oh, you get it.
0: Okay. So you, sir. Are a priest of the one and only God. Um, I've been thinking a lot about like having a place in the church. And I think a lot of people have. Um, I- I've always been kind of an oddball, right? I- I'm a little strange, I'll, I'll admit. Indeed. Just, just a wee tad, just like you're yes. a little wee tad man. I'm a wee we- tad <laughs>
1: strange. I'm not that small. <laughs> Good God.
0: You're 4'10". You're
1: 4'10". That is not the truth.
0: Every time we bring it up, you get a little shorter.
1: So. I'm a solid 5'6". Thank you very much. It was, uh,
0: you know, like the the fish was this big. And instead of getting bigger, you get smaller. <laughs> He's 4'3", everybody. He's 4'3". Oh, man. Uh, so I've always kind of been like, okay, like, where is my place in the church? Right? It's like even even with the show this is different than a lot of, a lot of Catholic radio. And I'd listen to Catholic radio and they'd be like, that's good stuff. But like, I think I have something different, but like, where is my place? What, where do I fit within this beautiful church that I call a home? And then I think a lot of people started feeling that over the last few months that have been difficult. Like, where is like, do I have a place in, in the father's house of the church? Like where is my place? What are we all doing here? And so and I've shared over the last couple of months, like just kind of been open about my my struggle, my journey through all of this stuff. And I wanted to kind of give people a uh, a glimpse into a ray of hope that I had over the last couple of weeks through this new song called, uh, I think it's called, In my, it's not called In My Father's House. I didn't know the name of it because this I did great radio prep. So uh, I'm gonna. Ask, here's what I'm going to do. Instead of just doing it like a professional, I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm doing, audience. I'm going to ask Father Jared a question, that way that I can ignore what he's saying. While he's talking, I can look up the name of this song. So Father Jared,
1: have you always felt like there was a place in, in the house of God for you? <laughs> um, honestly, uh, through different periods of my life, no. I, I felt like there hasn't. I felt like I've been in a... And a kind of a, a daze and, a, and a, a wandering trying to figure that out. Um, and quite honestly, it, I, I, and I'll even say this, it wasn't until midway through seminary that I actually really, truly realized uh, that it's not only do I have a place in this church, but there is a reason why I'm here. And the only identity that matters in this world, the only label. That matters in this world is that I'm a, a beloved son of God. And uh, and so, yeah, as you're looking up the, the name to this song, there is one part of the lyric that just busted out of me, and it is just that. Oh, that no, no, no no, am, no, no, no,
0: no. You don't have to keep going. I, I found the I, answer long ago, and you can't talk about the lyrics before you listen to the song. Oh, it's so
1: good, though, What's dude! Yeah, hurry with, up!
0: No, uh, no, 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 no! Calm down. So, did you find the lyric? Uh, or did you find the title? Of, of course, I found the title. Let me do my job. So, uh, <laughs> so I am so about to quit your show. No, no, I'm trying to ask a follow up question to your story because I actually ended up caring about it. Okay, I know that's, oh, that's surprising to everyone, but I actually cared about your story. So, this is a rare, rare moment. Let's let's dive in. Let's. Uh, can you get serious for one minute? Do I have to be the serious one around here? She's Louise. So for I, I've never heard this part of your story. You didn't feel like you had a place in the church and you entered
1: seminary anyway. That's fascinating. Uh, I did. Yeah. Uh, and quite honestly, I think there was part of it, part of it that, uh, that maybe entering into seminary was part of my search. I think that the Lord works in mysterious ways. And although, he's the one that guided me to seminary in my own, I would say more in my own mind. I think that was part of my, my search was okay. I'm going an to enter seminary and maybe I'll actually find my place. Um, and it, it went so far beyond that. I didn't, I not only found my place in this church and this family of, of Catholic believers, but um, I found my place in the world. I found my place In God's creation, that I am his child and I'm one of his beloved sons.
0: The crazy thing is, is that your story is making my point about the song for me. So now I'm not even going to play it and I'm not going to let you talk about your lyric. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're we're totally going to still play the song. But uh, it's interesting. Like we didn't plan this at all. Like the point, one of the big points that, that I'm trying to make with the song that we're about to listen to and your story have a lot in common, so here is what we're going to do. We are going to go ahead and listen to it right now, so that people will stop yelling into their radios. Like, just play the song already. <laughs> here we go.
3: All right. Who am I that the highest king would wear? But he brought me and all his life for me, all his life. I was a slave to sin. Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. Goodness, I... <laughs>
0: There you have it. Who you say I am is the name of that song. There it is from Hillsong Worship. So, before I go uh, on my spiel, you said that one of the lyrics stuck out to you before we listened to the song. What was that lyric?
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's the whole lyric about. Uh, it's, and it goes. It says it several times. It repeats itself that I am a child of God. I think that's something that I knew in my head. Obviously, it's something I knew verbally, but it's not something that I truly felt and truly believed until midway through seminary, because seminary forced me to open myself up to God and to go on that journey with him. And uh, yeah. (laughs) What a great ending. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that. Here's what you have to do.
0: uh, Your next homily. And uh, yeah.
1: Go sit down.
0: Go go sit down. (laughs)
1: i believe in one god <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry I gotta work on my closers here
0: <laughs> okay so some of the ones that really have, have stuck out to me uh in the midst of like all the last few months this gave me some hope just as like your story of finding your place even after you had like committed to god in the seminary i like, committed to go to the seminary because god had asked you to like I, I've committed a long time ago to be a part of this church. I've committed to be in the ministry that I've am, I am. So many people who have been committed to this church for so long have felt lost and and broken and, and, and hurt over these last few months. And this song breathed a lot of hope into me, and I'm hoping that it will do the same for others. So the first one is, like, who am I the highest king would welcome me? And Ooh. it's this interesting thing that um, I don't think – Any of us really noticed until later, like after the outrage, after the frustration, after the feeling of, of being lost, a lot of us, uh, myself included, spoke out of our anger. And I forgot about the parable, like, you know, before you point out the, the sin in your brother, you know, plank in your brother's eye, look at the, you know, the the speck in your brother's eye, look at the plank in your own. And it's like, (laughs) what's crazy about this is that this issue is a plank in and of its own, Right. (laughs) But we've kind of flipped it. It's like, well, what about the speck? What about the plank in my own eye? And I I started, I've been reminded of my own brokenness, my own sinfulness, but also the rest of the lyrics. It's like that I I was lost and he brought me in. Like this whole chorus, like while I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. So in the midst of this brokenness, in the midst of like, why is this king of the universe welcoming me calling me one of his own like it's like he he loves us so much that he came and died for us in the midst of that what do you think about that
1: priest (laughs) i think that you uh i think that you'd make a great deacon (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: hey everybody do you want a job where you're required to have a mustache you don't get paid anything you have to do whatever somebody says (laughs) Is that how you see deacons? That's how I see marriage. What are you talking about?
1: Oh, (laughs) Lord have mercy. Um, bro. I think, I think you're spot on. I I really do. Um, it's amazing what these lyrics can do. I was, I was, as you were talking about that, I was saying to myself, like part of my daily routine is I look at myself in the mirror and I say, you are a beloved son of God to remind myself that you're um,
3: pretty.
1: no, (laughs) my gosh no it's to, it's just to remind myself that I am but but as i as I listen to these lyrics too, um to hear myself say "I am a child of God, but also then to hear myself say, "I am who you say I am. If I were to speak that out loud, there's power in that because not only am is not only am I kind of throwing that out as praise and worship, but I'm also hearing myself say it. It starts with our, it starts with our lips, then it goes to our minds, and eventually it'll it 'll transfer down to our hearts and so uh, that 's uh, honest to goodness something i 'd encourage everybody to do is to sit with a song like this, to sit with it, but also then to use the lyrics in your day to day life because they 're powerful they 're super powerful
0: and it 's interesting that you you talk about like saying these words over and over again, and we had Christstoffphonik on a few weeks ago. he talked about the same idea from his book i am and it 's mm. like we have to continue saying these things that are true until we believe them. Like we know that we are true. They are true, but we don't believe them. And so anybody knows that knows a Hillsong song, I played for you one eighth of the song. Like the song goes on for 20 minutes, you know? And like, so in the midst of worship, I I started tearing up in the midst of worship, huge band. There's 4,000 youth ministers in this, in this room. And we're singing over and over again, in my father's house is a place for me. And so often I feel that there's not. So just to pray that over and over again. And by the end of the song, I was like, you know what? There is, you know, because he said that there is, um, and that he, he has chosen me. Like, even though he probably shouldn't have, he did. And he loves me. And we get into the bridge. It's like, I am chosen. I'm not forsaken. And like so many of us have felt forsaken by his body, by the father's house. So much yeah. over these last few months um, But It's like I am chosen not forsaken I am who you say I am Like Just because people mess up Whether it's myself and the, the bigness of my sin uh, Or um, if I sin bigly As, as, the, as the people say um, <laughs> No matter what happens like His promises don't go away His promises to his people His promises to his church Have never gone away And never will That's fiery Padre Not monotone That's monotony. fiery
1: That's how you do it, Taylor.
0: That's how you do it. This is how we do it. He sang over another song. So, Father Jared, how do people look at you and your pretty face and your collar on the Instagrams?
1: How do they look at me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're asking for my Twitter. I was about to say my Twitter handle. Lord have mercy, I do not have Twitter. Uh, you go and you find me. It's uh, look, it's Father Cook. Go find me on Instagram.
0: You know what's beautiful about this? I can't edit when it's over music, so we're gonna stick with that. We'll be back next week.
1: <laughs> say it. Bye.
0: Howdy friends, I hope that you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can find bonus content from the show at patreon.com slash Catholic. Here's a little preview of the kind of stuff you can expect there. Ooh, we killed it, that segment.
1: <laughs> oh my god! boy. Lord have
0: mercy. And pity on your son for what I once was and what I have become.
1: There it is.
0: We did it, dude. All right, man. Despite everything I always say, I love you.
1: <laughs> oh oh you should say that on air no 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 no, no. we can't do that <laughs> much love back taylor